It's time for Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. Presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for free made-from-scratch food, signature 29-degree draft beers, and all the scenic views. I'm just going to pause while you start drooling. And brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapaton. Now your host of the show, Josh Swanson. You know it's a great Bison Saturday, friends. When Coach Entz already likes your tweet at 8 a.m. as you're heading into Heard It Here with Swanee, I had posted a little nugget about the North Dakota State offensive line, the Rams. Ram tough. Road grading. Did you know? How's this for a nugget? This is what... uh, I would tell you why I bring it to you, but the truth is the good folks at NDSU Sports Information and Ryan Peralt put out game notes, and I called this from the game notes. The five starting offensive linemen for the herd. Just, Justin Swanson, my twin brother, is in with me this morning. We're going we're to have some fun. The Bison are going to roll over the sycamores, chop down some trees. So we're going to yuck it up a little bit. If you had to guess, Justin, if you didn't look on Twitter already, you cheated. I, I, no, I didn't see this on Twitter. Okay. How many combined career games do you think NDSU's five starting offensive linemen have? 235. That's close. 207. 207 career starts. You do the math, 207 divided by five. It's about 40 starts, 41, 42 starts apiece. That's the equivalent uh, uh, career experience, not starts, games that they've played in. That's the equivalent of four seasons of football for all of them. So I think the Sycamores are in for a world of pain in Terra Dice and Terra Haute. Terra Haute, Indiana. At noon, noon kick, the Bison will look to get a passing game going. Uh, so, so I hate to say a so-so win because the Bison came out of the gates red hot against Youngstown State. I, I think a Youngstown State team that's going to knock off a team or two in the Missouri Valley. McLaughlin, their running back, is the real deal. They had a a change in their offense. They went to their backup quarterback in the second half of that football game. And I'll tell you what, when that uh, when that dude, their backup, uh, Mitch Davidson, came in to relieve Crenshaw, they had a little spark to their offense, and they ended up putting up 14 points against the herd. So I loved, I loved the fast start last week. I, I thought the Bison came out of the gate strong. In the second half, you're running out of daylight. So I love the long Bison drives. Loved it. The Bison had a couple long drives, but they fizzled out. They fizzled out, and they they didn't. 27-14 homecoming win. We'll take it. Justin works for the NDSU Foundation. They were able to ply a bunch of people with booze on Saturday night, loosen up the wallets, get some checks written to, to NDSU Inc. But in the second half, I would have loved to have seen the herd finish the first drive of that second half with a touchdown instead of fizzling out. And then they got into the red zone a few times and had some penalties and, and kind of bonehead plays. What I did like, Griffin Crow's a two for two on field goals, a 38 and a 39 yarder. He doesn't make those. Then that uh, 27 to 20, or excuse me, 27 14 win is a little more dicey. But that's what I'm looking to see. I talked about it last week, Justin. I wanted to see a complete game out of North Dakota State. And I'm not saying they played a bad game, they won. The football game. Anytime you can get a win in the Valley, 
it's nice, especially when you're winning by double digits. But today, I'll reiterate it. I'm looking for four quarters of complete football. I would have loved to have seen North Dakota State put Youngstown away earlier in the second half than than they did after they went into halftime up 21-3. to But, you know, it's a work. I think this team, they're the number one team in the country, but they're a work in progress. And, and every week they're getting better. They're going to have to get better this week because next week we got the big Magilla with uh, the Jack <laughs> Rabbits coming to town. Your friend Johnny T. Stigelmeyer and, and Bison sheriff. fans. Keep the an eye on Brookings today. The Jacks host the Coyotes today. And I expect SDSU to walk away with about a three-touchdown win do there. You really? But did you know? Do you really? You think, you I, think I, I do, Jacks- yeah. I think the Coyotes are done. And the Coyotes, though, listen to this. The Jackrabbits have not beat the Yotes since 2018. It's been a while since SDSU has beat the uh, their rivals to the south. But I'll tell you what. You look at last week against Youngstown, the week before against USD, the theme this week, and you bring it up, the big showdown next week, today is all about the Bison. And I don't care about the Sycamores. You need four quarters of solid football across the board. You need solid tackling. You need to establish, I think, a little bit in that passing game, maybe take some shots down downfield field today. passing. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for out of the Bison. Yeah, like you said, this team right here, work in progress. And I think you mentioned Coach Entz this morning and liking your tweet on the Twitterverse there and... I think that's where you see a lot of frustration on the Twitterverse from Bison Nation is the fact that just the consistency of putting four quarters together and you, you see the commentary, it's a win. How can you be mad, Bison Nation? Oh, you're too spoiled. Your buddy, your, your buddy, my friend, Potato Guy Neil. Potato Guy Neil, yeah. it's Bison fans, I think, are just used to consistency and they're used to that defense just absolutely bottling up the run and leading the country in tackles. And it's just, it's a little bit different this year. So I think it feels a little bit different. But look for the Bison, just to focus on the Bison today to set up the big showdown next week for first place in the Valley against your buddy, Johnny T. Stigelmeyer. So it's the Heggie Brothers showdown. My two brother-in-laws, Jeff and Joe. Jeff, They're out of prison? Yeah. <laughs> finally, yeah. The, <laughs> Good for the, them. the prison of their wives' Good houses. For them. Right? Uh, so Jeff played for SDSU, played football. Joe did track for the Yotes. Joe and his wife Jamie from Sioux Falls, they're up in uh, Brookings. They they went to the they came up for the game. So it's the Battle of the Heggy Brothers. Really nice Howard Johnson there in Brookings. Yeah, and Taco Johns is fantastic. The potato Olays in Brookings are about as best as you can find in a forty mile radius. The the over under is I see I think I think the the Yotes are gonna give him a game. I told uh, Joe, my brother in law, who's the USD guy, I told him last night I think it's a four quarter game. I think they've got enough there. And for some reason, you know, Justin, some teams just just seem to play other teams better. For for North Dakota State, that's South Dakota State. SDSU always seems to give NDSU a really good football game and, and play well against them. And for, for SDSU on the flip side, the, the Yotes always seem to play their best football against the Jacks. So I don't three-quarter game or a three-score touchdown, a three-touchdown game, man, I'm not seeing it. I'm thinking this is a four-quarter ball game. You know, and what's interesting there is you go back to last year, even you look at this year's schedule, what haven't the Jackrabbits done well the last two years? Play at home. Uh, they haven't played well at home at the Dana J, but I think this team this year just kind of finding their groove against Missouri State and, you know, coming up with USD a little hungry for that win against the Coyotes for the first time in four years. Maybe it's close early, but if you're out there in betting land, I'd pick the Jacks to cover the spread and then some. So we already got a disagreement, which is great. South Dakota State, last weekend, they beat Western Illinois 34-10. to South Dakota, the Yotes, they had a bye week. They had the week off heading into the Jacks game. I think that is so critically important for two reasons. One, 
You can rest up guys a little bit, but you also have two weeks to prepare for the team that you're playing. And, and not that SDSU, I would imagine going into that Western Illinois game, Coach Stigmeyer, as much as I like to uh, give a hard time to my buddy, the Sheriff Johnny T. Stigmeyer, he's a good football coach. And with Coach Eck leaving to Idaho, he he always seems to have a good staff and do do a good job. They're very, very well coached. I would guess they probably spent some time on the USD game leading up to that Western Illinois game. But this is going to be an interesting ball game to, to follow down in Brookings. That's a 2 o'clock kick because we're getting into the, the heart of the Valley schedule. And for North Dakota State, you mentioned it being about the Bison. Terre Haute is a practice. There's, there's zero – there's – you know, a couple dozen, maybe 100, 200 fans. There's a marching band, and that's about the, it. The stands are empty. There's zero energy. So you have to, you hear guys say it who have played down there for North Dakota State. You have to bring your own energy. You have to manufacture your own energy. They have been, they gave Northern Iowa a game last week. They had their chances at the end. They got down in the red zone. They lost 20 to 14. That game was at Northern Iowa. But Indiana State, you take a look across the board, I'll rattle off some quick stats, hit you with it. They're 95th in the country in turnover margin. That's not going to win football games, okay? They've rotated like three quarterbacks in. Their coach, Coach Mallory, has tried to play that as a plus side. It is not. If you're playing three quarter, I, you, you get the stuff with NDSU, with Miller playing, they got the package with Cole Payton. That's fine. You see a lot of teams do that. Kind of, We saw some wildcat stuff starting being uh, mixed into the repertoire for North Dakota State. You're playing three quarterbacks. That is not a good situation for success. They're 113th where the rubber meets the road for the Sycamores, and they haven't played a team the likes of North Dakota State this year, with all due respect to, to Northern Iowa, who's 2-3 and three on the season. The Sycamores are 113th in the country in third down conversion. They're 116th in third down defense. When you're not moving the sticks on third down and you ain't getting stops on third down, that's going to lead to a bad day when you're playing Hunter Lepke and an offensive line that has 207 games of combined career experience, brother. Hey, NDSU, you know, we call ourselves QBU. Yeah, I think we got to change that moniker this year to FBU, Fullback University. Give me a little 40 personnel, Mr. Lepke running the ball. How fun was that last weekend? I think today the Bison just grinding it out, just stuffing the old Sycamores at the line of scrimmage there, getting that run game going. And we've talked about this before. I think you've talked about this. Let's get that play-action passing game going yes. today, huh? Yes. It, that's You look at the the stats as far as wide receivers. Our leading wide receivers this year, uh, Stoffel, is having a really four, uh, two, two starts in a row. Made his first start against USD after Gindorf got hurt. Started last week against Youngstown. Four catches in both games. He's a threat. He's a big kid. He seems to get open. That's a dude. He leads a team. Two starts, he leads a team with eight receptions. The guy right below him, Hunter Lepke, our fullback, seven receptions. Our wide receivers, Mathis with six, Henderson with five, and Lippy with five. And Cam Miller is completing 66% of his passes. He's got five touchdowns on the year. He's 46 to 70. He only has the uh, one INT against, uh, against uh, Arizona USD. There, yeah. No, he had the fumble. He had fumble. a fumble, That's fumble right. against Arizona. That's right. Yeah. Take you got you. I want to see this. You don't want to leave your whole bag of tricks on the field. You have to get some comfort in that passing game because going into next week, you know South Dakota State. They have an outstanding defense. They're going to put fifteen. They're guys going in to the put box. fifteen guys in the box, and NDSU is going to have to be able to throw the football. Now, what what I like seeing with all the criticisms out there, I think Tyler Roll is doing a fantastic job on a number of fronts. Front number one, 
everyone in the stadium knows Hunter Lepke's going to get his touches. They ain't doing it with Hunter Lepke lining up at fullback every gosh darn play. They rotate him all over the place. Some plays he's at running back, some plays he's at fullback, some plays he's at that H-back. I think they've had him in the Wildcat. They put him in multiple positions, and what do we see when that happens? The, uh, the, the catch he had where he tiptoed the sideline against Youngstown, defenses lose him. They know every well, they, defense knows that wheel route and Lepke coming out is in the playbook. You know what they have trouble with? When he lines up in different formations and they motion him and then their eyes get lost, the defensive eyes get lost, and Lepke comes out. Well, and Roll. then you get a mismatch. You get a linebacker on him. You get a safety that just can't cover. So that that he's that athletic. So I think, yeah, to your point, Tyler's done a fantastic job of just – multiple different formations, and I think we're seeing those earlier in the season than we have before. Typically, those have been saved for the playoffs a little bit, but that was fun to watch in that game down at USD, just bringing out those different sets, looking for that mismatch with Lebke, and just trying to keep the defense honest a little bit, not doing it maybe through the passing game, but just throwing them different looks that they're not accustomed to seeing out of this Bison offense. I'll give you a week ahead of time projection. So against South Dakota State next weekend, Cole Payton is going to have a bomb monster touchdown of 50-plus yards Every time he's lined up, what do they do with him? Every time Cole Payton's in the game, what do they do? They're running the football. They run the ball every time. Every single time. He has not attempted one pass yet when he's been in the same when he's been in in a game situation, not in the second half where the Bison are up forty against Drake or North Carolina AT against Arizona. Like he didn't have any snaps against USD. And against Youngstown, when he's in when the game's kind of still in balance, they run him. Against South Dakota State next weekend. They are going to unleash number 15 and uncork a home run ball. They need to connect on it. Digressing a little bit with the receivers, they've been there. You know, they've been there. Cam's missed Braylon on a couple. I I want to see that today. I want to see the big play action home run ball. I like what they're doing. A lot of fans, you don't see it necessarily in the statistics, but if you're playing, paying close attention to the game, and if you go, you can go to gobison.com and you can get a play by play that literally tells you there's a tab. Every single play of the football game, what they're doing, how the quarterback, you know, Miller shotgun pass complete seven yards, first and 10. They're doing a nice job, I think, on those first and second downs because you can't, as good as NDSU's running game is, you it's not as simple as run the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. If you're going to run it every time on first down, you're predictable. It makes your D or your offense a lot easier to defend and it makes it a lot harder to run the ball. Where did NDSU start having some success running the ball against USD a few weeks ago when they started throwing the ball to Mathis on some of those quick hitches on first down and even taking shots downfield on first or second down that keeps the defense honest? So I think last week they did that a number of times as well. I, I like that. I think Tyler doesn't get enough credit for that. But, man, I want to see a shot downfield. Yeah, you're seeing uh, with those, some of those quick hitters, you, you watch the games, you're seeing a lot of one-on-one coverage. You know, defenses are saying, we're going to man you up. If you want to beat us deep, beat us deep. And I think you've seen some single high, too, just kind of putting the guy back there, playing center field on us. And you know, it'll be curious if Cam can get that downfield game going. And, and you know, you, you play to your strengths. And right now our strength, running the football, offensive line, Hunter Lepke, fullbacks and tight ends, the crew trees, the strengths of this team. But you're right. We got to get those shots downfield going, and you know, I'd say right now you're hearing a lot of the Swanee brothers. Let's be honest, we're looking, we're overlooking Indiana State. We're sitting here talking about USD SDSU, but next week's matchup against uh, the old Jackrabbits. Uh, rest assured, Bison got to be focused on Indiana State today, right? Go on the road, take care of business, set up that game next week. Hopefully, nineteen thousand in the Fargo Dome. If the Bison have trouble with Indiana State, we have a whole host of problems greater than what we're talking about this morning. This is a game where they should roll in, 
And they should be up 24 nuts, 24-3 at halftime. Maybe even if Indiana State gets a cheapie, it's a game the Bison should have in hand by halftime. And I'm not saying that to be obnoxious or a jerk Bison fan. NDSU is the far superior team in this matchup. There are a lot of challenges recruiting to Terre Haute, Indiana, home of one of the United States federal penitentiaries. It's not a football program, right? So it's a game NDSU should win and should win quite handily. The, the, missed, the missed tackles, Mike McFeely, the form, had a great stat. According to Pro Football Focus, NDSU has more missed tackles than anyone else in the Valley through five games with 71. That is so uncharacteristic of a Bison defense. The Bison are yielding 100. They're giving up 142 rushing yards per game, and it was so frustrating. And credit to Youngstown State on those long third-down situations last week, like a third and 14, that third and seven or nine, whatever it was, and they ran the ball. I'm thinking pass. Everyone in the building, everyone watching at home is thinking pass, and they had a nice play call. McLaughlin's a really good running back, but how many times did he slip out of tackles? How many times do we have him lined up in our crosshairs for him to bounce out? So that's something I think where the frustration is. The team's 4-1. and They're the number one team in the country. They should be 5-1 and overall and 3-0 and in Valley play after today, but it's the the missed tackle stuff. Just the fact that we really haven't seen a a clean four-quarter game yet so I, I'm I'm very I'm very bullish on this Bison team. I think they're going to have a good game today. But we talked about it last week and the week before. This isn't a team where we've seen them play their best football yet. So Bison Nation, if there's anything to take solace in, once this team starts hitting on all cylinders and peaking, they're they're tough to beat right now with Hunter Lupke and the Bison offensive line and what that offense is doing. Putting up people ripping on the Bison offense that's putting up 37.6 points per game they're putting up a lot scoring offense they're 14th in the country that ain't bad we'll talk more about the matchup with uh, the sycamores next and what the bison need to do to maybe uh get some wide receivers breaking free so we can see some long touchdown passes coming up next on herd it here with the you got her locked and loaded to the radio home of truth Justice in the American way of football. This is Herded Here with the Swannies on 740 AM. The Fan, presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Coming for made-for-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. I thought about taking Mav there for his third birthday. Libby Just decided on Chuck E. Cheese instead. <laughs> Libby both, said, both Twin Peaks similar. for a three-year-old? Are you dense? Yeah, she she vetoed that one. Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors. In Wapaton, heading into the the break, Justin. What what I did like to see wrapping up maybe some of the Youngstown takes from last week. Heading into the Sycamore game, the Bison controlled the ball for 34 minutes and 19 seconds. And I, I had lunch with our good friend Steve Walker, friend of the Swan, going to be a Bison Hall of Famer one day. You need to get on that right because he makes phone calls, get Steve into the Hall of Fame, NDSU Athletics. Marcus Johnson, good friend of ours too, a former Bison How receiver. How awesome is that? Yeah, Marcus. sport athlete, yeah, yeah. Getting in the hall last weekend. Steve and I were talking about that over lunch at Horns on Monday or Tuesday we went up there. And a lot of Bison fans, you, you get the two-score lead in the second half. Most for his, for his uh, a work in progress, we'll call it a work in progress, tough news for the Bison defensive line, Fargo Shanley standout, Jake Cava, done for the year they're going to need uh uh, dylan Hendricks is stepping up he was he linebacker moved to d end um he'll be getting a lot of snaps today the bison defensive line starting to take some injuries 
When the Bison offense gets a 13-14 point two-score lead in the second half, it's boa constrictor city, man. And even though the Bison didn't score touchdowns and finish, which we're accustomed to, man, they ran clock. And if the other team doesn't have the ball and the number of possessions shrink, it becomes a math game. And it's not sexy, Bison fans, but it gets the dubs and it wins national championship after national championship after national championship. The Bison controlled the tempo. They controlled the clock. A team like Youngstown who likes to run, they can't pass. The Bison played their game, but I, you would like to see more touchdowns, especially in the red zone. And, and I'll take a look at when I throw it back to you in a second here. The, the red zone offense, it seems to me, this I don't want to say struggles. I think it's too soon in the year to call it struggles. But we saw it last week. They got down late in the game inside Youngstown State's 10-yard line, and they end up having to settle for like a 38- or 39-yard field goal. That can't happen. That can't happen. You can get away with it when you're playing in Youngstown. You can get away with it when you're playing in Indiana State. Know who you can't get away doing that with? The Jacks or a team in the semifinals or championship. So converting on those red zone attempts and being more efficient in the red zone. I'm looking for that today. Yeah. You know, I am too. And I'll go back to what you said earlier too, just the health of the team up front. And I tell you what, if we lose any more defense alignment, we might have to switch to a 3-4. That's an area where we just can't afford to lose any more guys. And But you're absolutely right. If you want to be a championship-level football team, you have to finish inside the red zone. That makes all the difference when you're in a, a semifinal game against a team like uh, James Madison or you're playing a team like South Dakota State at or home. Or even one of the Montana schools. Even one of the Montana schools, you got to come away with six. You know, that three, it allows – folks to stay into games against the Bison. This team puts up touchdowns in the red zone, you know, close the book, game over. It's a methodical type team, but always has been, and you got to get those touchdowns. Yeah, red zone touchdown attempts, 15 to 22. So only scoring at a 68% clip. We saw that. The last time we saw numbers like that was the 2016 team that lost in the semifinal game. And you can get away with it for a while, but eventually that is going to bite you in the rear end. They're 19-22 on red zone scores for 86%, but 15-22 on red zone attempts as far as touchdowns. That number needs to get better. It absolutely needs to get better. You know, you got to find that connection. You got to find that weapon down in the red zone teams. Obviously, you're keying on Lipke a little bit. But if you have a guy like a Mathis or even a Phoenix Proles, you know, Phoenix, I think, needs to step up that game and start catching some footballs. And whether that's a matter of the quarterback finding him or him getting open, you know, I, I just haven't watched it close enough to know there. But the quarterback has to have that guy that he can trust in the red zone to get open, to put the ball up there where you know someone's going to make a play. You know, looking forward to seeing if we can do that this week, move that forward into next week and carry it on as we build the season up. You get through next week against the Jacks, you get the win there, then you get a bye. You get a chance to heal, get a chance to do some self-evaluation and really set yourself up for the the stretch drive home. I, I think Griffin Cross, the kick, and as much as we're talking about, you do need to convert on those red zone scoring attempts, turning them into touchdowns. But, I mean, think about that Arizona game, man. If Griffin Cross could have knocked through a field goal, Late there, makes it a seven-point game, so Arizona needs a touchdown to tie NDSU. And I'm fine with the call. I said it then, I'll say it now. If NDSU with that offensive line, those running backs, is going to go for it on a fourth and one or fourth and two from anywhere on the field, I'm going to have a hard time questioning that. It's got to be a real wonky game situation for me to question Coach Entz on that. But you have to like the fact that Crozen now, going back to that USD game, has nailed four field goals in a row. In that Jackrabbits game, those seem to always be tight, and a field goal can make a they, – they say field goals don't beat you, 
But in a game like that, a team who can knock through, you know, that 45, 47-yarder, you're looking at fourth and six from, like, the 32-yard line. You want the points. You're up seven. Maybe you're down three or it's a tie ball game, and you need your kicker to knock one through. The fact that Crozy hit that 38-yarder and a 39-yarder, I think that was big for his confidence because you know kickers are weird people, man. I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but kickers are a unique breed. And for that game, it's a lot like golf. It's a lot like putting in golf. It's confidence. It's that six inches between your ears, in your head, where if you can mentally go out and do it and you've done it before and you're not getting the yips, not getting in your own way, the fact that he went out and booted two in a homecoming game when the game was still on the line, booted a couple down to South Dakota, to me that's a good sign. I I like that for North Dakota State because at some point in the season they might need Croza to bang one through the uprights. Yeah, 100%. And with that, too, you make those field goals early. It's a matter of finishing drives, giving the offense confidence, having something to show for your work. You don't finish those drives. You don't get those field goals. All of a sudden, a game like SDSU in the fourth quarter, instead of it being a touchdown game or the Bison driving to take the lead late, then all of a sudden you're chasing points in the fourth quarter. Uh, And quite frankly, with our offense, I think – I'm a fan of our offense, like you said, 35-plus points a game, but you don't want to be in a position where you're having to throw the ball in the fourth quarter to win a football game to chase double-digit le- or deficits here. Yeah, and we'll talk about it coming up here uh, after the next break. But with And I've said, it, I've said it this year. You see it coming. You see it coming down the train tracks that eventually in a game, Cam Miller is going to need to, in the second half, pick up some third and six and third and sevens with his arm. Taking shots down the and I, and I think I think NDSU when you got Hunter Lupke there's a couple times that USD game third and six third and seven trying to salt that game away they gave it to Lupke and I think one one time they might have ran a, a naked bootleg with Miller picking up the first down but then you see some things like those like bootleg or quick flare passes on third and seven third and eight I scratched my head and and where where are the passes between the hash marks it seems to me the Bison used to be really good at getting a tight end down the seam or taking the lid off you know middle of the field. We haven't seen too many throws in in between the hashes, and I don't know that's if, if that's a product of game to game. I don't know if they don't trust Cam to throw the ball in the middle of the field. I don't know. I don't know X's and O's enough. It's just something as we go on week to week to week, I've started to notice that they really like to kind of focus on that perimeter throwing the football. But I, I would like to see that from, from Cam today, just some shots down the field. And I'm not saying, you know, he's completing 66, 67% of his passes. He's got five touchdowns, only one pick. He's running the ball pretty well. He's had a couple times where he's picked up some first down with first downs with his legs, so he's elusive when he needs to be. But I'm looking for a game where he doesn't leave some of those throws on the field. Just a complete solid effort from him taking the lid off the top of a defense. Next, coming up next on uh, Heard It here with the Swannies. We haven't talked a lot about the defensive side, so we're going to drill down on that defensive line and what North Dakota State can do to start stoutening up that run defense. A very unbison like 150 yards per game on the ground. What's up with that next on Herd It Here? Going around the horn in the Missouri Valley Football Conference today, leading things off is North Dakota State's battle down in Terre Haute against Indiana State. That's a noon kick game time, temp of 54 degrees and sunny, very little wind down there. Should be a beautiful day for football. The the resurgent Southern Illinois Salukis looking to put the stake through Missouri State's 
Hard Bobby the Shark Petrino after a top five rank, and they've dropped three in a row now to Arkansas, SDSU, and UND. Big one at home in Springfield against Southern Illinois. That's a 2 p.m. kick. The Jacks and the Yotes, the battle of the Rushmore State, 2 o'clock kick at the Dyke House in Brookings. Illinois State is at the Uni Dome at Northern Iowa at 4 o'clock in the nightcap. UND, North Dakota, one of my uh, maybe game to week game of the week um, to watch in the league. North Dakota at Youngstown. Youngstown, they they acquitted themselves rather well, I thought, against the Bison. They've got a really good running back in McLaughlin. Played it tight. UND, nice win at home against Missouri State in their homecoming last week. But the, the Fighting Hawks are just a different team on the road. They're, they're like that screaming 15-month-old toddler. They're great at home, but once you get them on the road, man, nice. watch out. Nice. Watch out. That is such a – I've never thought of that. At home, great, but you get the kid in the car and then the wheels fall off. I, I tell you what, Pat Thiel and I, a good friend of the Swanee Show here, we were in uh, the barn in Grand Forks last year, the Alaris, and the Bison had to eke out that win. That is a tough place to play. UND I told our friend Brian Sean a couple weeks ago, I think they're running the table at home this season. That includes Jackrabbits here coming up in two weeks. But on the road, it's a different story. That's why that win for them at Northern Arizona was so important. And if they can get that win today, I, mean, I think they're a playoff team. That gets you to that 7-1 mark. Yeah, you're 3-1 in the league, 4-2 yeah. overall. Yeah, big would be a big win for them. The buys and no turnovers. No turnovers last week after an uncharacteristic three turnovers against the Yotes. Zero turnovers. NDSU nationally is fifth in uh, turnover margin. Fifth in turnover margin. They've taken the ball away from other teams 10 times, and they've only surrendered the ball four times themselves. Three of those coming within the span of like two and a half minutes against South Dakota. So as, as far as the takeaway game, the NDSU seventh, not fourth. They're seventh in the country in turnover margin. You like that, a Bison defense, especially those five picks, getting takeaways. They dropped two, dropped two of what would have been pick sixes last week against Youngstown State. Got it, man. That, both of those plays were ones where Talbert and I think Tutsi had the other one. Clear lane. Nothing but green, nothing in, front but green in front of them to run for a touchdown. Shifting gears. Listen to these numbers, Justin. In 2021, last season, the Bison win a national championship. They were only giving up 876 yards per game on the ground. That's 2.9 yards per attempt. This season, not quite double that. They're giving up 142.8 yards rushing per game, almost four yards per attempt, almost 3.9 yards per attempt. And you see that because how many times the last few weeks does it seem that teams have been in that second and six, second and five? But credit to the buys in defense. They're they're, uh, 28th, third down defense. Well, 28th isn't the best. But if you're giving up four or five yards a pop on first down and you can still be 28th and third down defense, that, that's an area cutting down on those uh, teams being able. If, if that happens against South Dakota State next week, the Bison are going to be in trouble if SDSU is living in second and five, second and four. So that's another area where, and yeah, it's Indiana State, I get it. That's what I'm looking for today for the Bison defensive front to put the Sycamores in those second and eights, second and nines, third and sevens, third and eights, so then NDSU can really peel back and get after them. It's it's those second and fives, those second and fours. Those are much more difficult to defend, and pretty much the whole playbook's open to an offense on second and four, second and five. As a defense, you want to be in second and seven or greater. You don't want that offense facing second and six, five, four, because then you, it makes that third down a lot more manageable, right? And we see that. Like that, that's part of the reason North Dakota State offensively 
is uh, uh, what are they seventh in the country on third down conversions? They're converting fifty three percent of their third down attempts. Why is NDSU doing that? Because they're living in third and one, third and two, third and three, and they've got guys like Lupke. And a defense has to focus so much energy on Lupke where what happens? We saw it against USD. Cam Miller spins out, fakes the Lucky, wheels it in for a touchdown. So that, to, to keep the other team, the Sycamores, this week, that's one of my keys of the game. I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to that. NDSU's defense won the point of attack. We hear a lot about that in the past. It's a point of emphasis, I think, today and going forward. Winning the point of attack. The other team's not getting that push against North Dakota State on the line of scrimmage defensively. Winning the point of attack, being solid with your responsibilities and controlling your gaps. Because how many times I saw one play, not to pick on a guy, so I won't say his name, but one of our defensive ends, I don't know what his responsibility was on the play. It was, I think it was on that one where it was a third and five or third and seven, and McLaughlin took it for like a 44, 45-yard gain all the way down to NDSU's five-yard line. So the defensive end on it would have been the defense's right side just ended looking like he crashed way, way in. And so the running back bounced it out, right? There was nowhere to go on the inside, so he just bounced it out, and there was nobody there. Typically in a Bison defense, you talk about um, – uh, not breaking, controlling the cup, is that what they call it? Yeah, fitting your gaps, Fit, right. Fitting your gaps and not breaking the cup or whatever the term that, that we hear 18,000 times is. But they let the defense break the cup. That defensive end got sucked way in. No one's there on the outside, so the running back gets around that edge, and there's nobody there. And McLaughlin, you know, he's he's ripped and he's fast, and he wheels off for almost 50 yards. NDSU can't do that today. That's that's what I'm looking for, just being cleaner in that, and when you do have that, how many times do we see it last week too? You had a linebacker that had had a guy geared up, dead to rights in the hole, and just bounced off a tackle. It didn't wrap up, didn't make the tackle, and just finishing, getting home and finishing where you do have that running back or quarterback lined up in your crosshairs, that you bring him down to the ground and, and get rid of these missed tackles. For me, that's what I'll be paying especially close attention on this afternoon. Now that all that being said, this Bison defense too has only allowed one team to go over 300 yards of total offense. Of course, that being Arizona. Uh, interesting stat there too, though, is every team we've played has rushed for 100 yards against us, and you're just not used to seeing that out of a Bison defense. But I think this team has set the bar so incredibly high. Even though I mean this is a good defense, right? But you look at some of the defenses we've had before those undefeated seasons in 13 and 19, and even last year, it's just. Bison fans aren't used to 100 yards plus rushing a game, and that's still being said. We're holding teams to under 300 yards total offense, but it's I think it's interesting as a Bison fan, we're so good. Your fans can single out one or two plays a game like, hey, remember where this happened, and we're just not used to seeing that. So I think give credit where credit's due still. This is still a good defense, but we're just not used to seeing some of those maybe situations where a guy isn't wrapped up and he escapes and he takes it 50 yards down inside the red zone. But I think the Bison there, we're an extremely well-coached team on defense. You know, Matt Enson, his defensive background, David Braun, they're going to have this team schooled up. And I think they're going to continue, I hope here, as we get into conference play, get better week after week and get some of those things shored up. But it's exciting, though. You you look at 4-1, 4-1, once again, uh, early season in the driver's seat in the FCS in the Valley, we have SDSU at home. We have UND at home. Uh, still so much on the horizon here, but it's when you've been so good, it's easy to look at certain situations and, and almost nitpick, right? Well, I don't think it's – I think it's fair. I, think it's, I don't think it's nitpicking. I think, I, I think you need to – if you don't take care of the missed tackles and you don't take care of – if you let South Dakota State come into the Dome and they're living in second Isaiah and five. Davis. Yeah, second and five, second and four, even second and six – 
Yeah, and that's with SDSU's passing attack. They're such a good offense. You can't be in second and four, second and five all day. I do think, and you know, Jackson uh, Dudenheffer, dude from Mandan, played. You know, he got his first start after Mostert got hurt, so he's just been put into the well. His first significant playing time. I don't know if you say it's a start because Javier Darrett is listed above him on the depth chart. But the redshirt freshman from Mandan had his first career sack last week against Youngstown. And that's such a confidence builder where the game starts to slow down a little bit for some of these young guys. They've got maybe the the physical traits to, to play in the game, but mentally just getting that first sack, getting that first taste of quarterback blood, taking a guy to the turf, knowing that you can do it with every game, especially some of these young guys on the defensive line. And that's that's something else. Games like this are critically important to get those game reps. We talked about it, we, you know, come full circle. We led the show with it. Those 207 career games on the offensive line, the more game reps, the more experience some of these younger defensive linemen can get, that's huge. So I do love the fact that today it's not just a layup game. These games are so important because these young guys, especially on the defensive line, need these games to get better and to get better and to get better going into as we get into the heart of conference play, not just the South Dakota State team, but a North Dakota team that's coming to the Dome in a few weeks for a potential playoff push to get these young guys more acclimated in game experience. So that was encouraging to see someone like Jackson uh, Duenheffer, number 64, pride of Mandan, North Dakota, getting a, a QB sack. And that's where you talk about, comparatively speaking, what, what SDSU now, where they've been able to close the gap a little bit, and you notice North Dakota trying to do it too, as you try to build depth on the defensive line and rotate guys in and out, and not only because you're going to have injuries throughout the year in the Missouri Valley, but these games, you can't have a defensive player sitting taking 60, 70 snaps. You need that um, ability to shuffle in some young guys and get those game reps and give you 9, 10, 11 meaningful reps a game, and that makes all the difference, and that's what separated the Bison from the rest of the FCS over the last decade. And it's complimentary football. We talked about that, and I think I heard Colpack mention it in the column, too, complimentary football where if you're an offense, if you can chew up a bunch of clock like Indias you did against Youngstown in the second half, you're winning the time of possession. You're up, let's put a scenario out there. You're up 14 in the second half or you're up 13 or 10. Your offense is moving the ball. You know you've got depth issues on the defensive line. What's a smart way to play it? Not slinging the ball, trying to give yourself a 17-point lead. It's trying to go, you know, 10, 12 plays, 70 yards. Two, five, six minutes off the clock. Two, five, six, seven, eight minutes off the clock. Keep those defensive linemen fresh. And even if you have to, at that point, settle for a field goal to make it a 16, 17-point lead, but you've taken six, seven, eight minutes off the clock, your defensive linemen are playing fresh, right? They're going to have legs to get after the quarterback, and they're going to have a less tread on the tires. So part of it's complimentary football, where if you know that you can control the clock and you know you've got some young defensive linemen, what makes sense is, doing the boa constrictor, just choking the life out of these other teams. So that's part of the complimentary football. And I've said it for years on the show. It's not sexy, fans. The second half of games like that, you and I can appreciate it, and I hope our fans do. But when you're up 13, 14 points, even 17 points, the other t- what I say to Libby almost every week with like midway through the third quarter or the latter part of the third quarter, and we go up 17 or we go up 21, I say this game is over. And she gets it now, but she'd say, well, there's a whole quarter left. And I'd say... The other team's going to have three possessions at most. They haven't scored three touchdowns all day. This team isn't scoring three touchdowns on its last three possessions. This game's over. You know, it's it's fun, too, when you're watching the game at the Fargo Dome and, and we sit on the west side there and you look down at the visiting sideline and the body language of those coaches and players because they know if you go into halftime down seven, down 10 to a Bison football team in the second half, you really got to step it up and be able to outscore them by 
you know, not just to get the 11 points you need to overtake a 10-point deficit, but you got to be two, at least two or three possessions better than NDSU because they're going to score on you at least once on offense. And defensively, they're just not going to allow you to have those big plays or sustain long drives. So it's it's fun to, to have that mentality and to watch those teams just to, to feel like lifeless where they don't have a chance. And they, they know that as you squeeze the life out of them and those possessions start to shrink. There's only there's only one thing that matters in that second half when you're chasing points, and that's the clock. And if you're down two scores and you know that North Dakota State offense is going to run, run, run clock, what do you have to do? You got to throw the ball. You got to make up yards in a hurry. And then what happens? Why did the Bison have five picks this year? Why do they have all those interception opportunities against Youngstown State? It's a product of complementary football, and you want to get the game to that point. Where's the strength of your defense? It's in your secondary where you've got all those dudes lined up, where you got Eubanks. Dawson Weber, Dom Jones, Michael Tutsi, Marcus Siegel, Destin Talbert. you got all those D-backs with all kinds of experience. If a team has got to throw the ball late in the game, that's where we want the Bison to be, right? So the the, the idea of complimentary football and choking a team out, I, I just absolutely love it. Again, not sexy. Gets the job done. As we wrap up here on Heard It Here with Swanee, Justin with the NDSU Foundation. Big news, a ribbon cutting this Friday. The Bison are going to cut the ribbons on the Nodak Insurance Company Football Performance Complex this Friday, the indoor practice juggernaut facility that rises seven or eight stories above the prairie in North Fargo. Yeah, How neat is that? You look at that type of facility, a $50 million plus facility for Bison football and you know, credit to Matt Larson and Jack Mon and everyone that fundraised in athletics for that facility. You look at some of our, I'd say, peers in the FCS or even even FBS, FBS man. Group of Five, Power Five. Those schools have those type of facilities, and NDSU is this one will measure up against any of them. But the amazing fact is, NDSU was all raised on private dollars. That was Bison Nation. That was donors. That was the corporate community in Fargo stepping up and saying. We support you. We got this. We know uh, how important this is to the continued development of the program. So th- that's amazing fact overall. This the fact that there wasn't one public cent put into that type of facility. That's an absolute game changer. And I saw uh, uh, we got a little note card at the house here last night for a season ticket holder open house coming up later in October. And so excited to see that. And but credit to Matt and Jack and everyone, uh, Derek Lang, that worked on getting the the resources to build that facility and credits all the the donors out there in Bison Nation that stepped up to give the athletic department an absolute jewel of an indoor facility. Let's take a shot. You can't do it, so I can do it, and and I don't really care. So, you know, I, I kind of the folks we sit with and and talking to our buddies about it whenever they show the the big time politicians at the Bison game in the box yucking it up, back slap. And every time I see that, I think, where the hell are those folks when it comes to going to bat? for NDSU and Bismarck and getting us funds and not having everything be a battle and not having to worry about watching our back. So the fact that all of that was privately raised by NDSU NDSU supporters with not an ounce of state help, too, I think speaks volumes. If you know what I'm saying and throwing down. What really frustrates me is the way the Twins finish the season and miss yeah, the playoffs Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah always I'm, great for vanilla ice cream. Coming up next on Heard It Here with Swanee, we'll make sure we get Justin out of here without getting him a phone call from his boss taking, taking shots. I can take shots. He can't. Next on Heard It Here with Swanee, it's a game day. Predictions, stick around.
We're taking it to the bank as Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just <clears throat> don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Wheeling and dealing you into a college football Saturday. Stick around, though, for Around the Rink with Travis Dunn. He's got all your college hockey news and UND hockey coming up next. He's got. We were just talking during the break. He's got some really... Cool interviews with local ties, so you'll want to be sure to catch those. This is Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapaton. And, of course, Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for made-from-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers and all the scenic views. Justin, I think this is a game NDSU needs to come out fast, take control of the game early, and just dictate everything. Tempo, pace, line of scrimmage, point of attack, and play a complete game of football heading into the big Dakota Marker Showdown next week. I think a quick start is key. This is a, a no-frills type of game. You're better than your opponent. You come out, you don't make mistakes, you do what you do well, you, you get a lead there and you cruise. I think I'm just going to cut to the chase. I think, cut to the chase. I think buys them by 21 today. That's but I, it, really? Just well, 21, huh? Well, I think we're going to make it that type of game. You talked oh. about earlier, we just ground and pound. We don't need to throw it around. We get an early lead, and like I said, no 31-0 frills. at the you, half, you and then just, healthy, yeah, uh, I get you it. get some guys yeah. some time. But I think around the Valley, it's a heck of an interesting day. I think Jack's by 13 down in Brookings. I think Youngstown gives Bubba and the boys a heartbreaker. Penguins by three. And then Bobby Motorcycle down there in Springfield. The I shark, think. Petrino. I think that motorcycle skids off the road in today, turns, boy. look out. Up in flames. I think SIU by 10. I think when you're at Missouri State, you have all those transfers that haven't gone through adversity together. That may be... How do you handle it? How do you right? handle it? You're like that lawn chair that folds with a little breeze. I think SIU by 10. Nick Hill and the Salukis reestablish themselves as a team that might be competing for a first-round bye here in the playoffs. I, I keep saying it every week. One of these weeks, I'm going to be right. So I'll just keep saying it. Cam Miller with the big play-action touchdown bomb today. I'm going uh, Braylon Henderson or DJ Hart. One of those two is going to come down with it. Now let's go with Henderson. He had him against USD, missed him. I think this is a week, finally, it sets up the Bison early on, maybe even first drive. I think first drive, they come out, run the ball, run the run the ball. It wouldn't surprise me if they picked up a few first downs, get around midfield, then they take a shot, maybe in that second and two kind of range. They go with the play fake, take the lid off for the second drive of the game. I, I think, feel like I'm listening to John Madden right oh now. Oh, man. I feel like John Madden some days you with all like my John football Madden. wisdom going on here. One of these days, just a play action, I, I, it's got to happen. And may, maybe it's Stoffel. Maybe it's a tight end. Maybe we see a tight end coming across the seam or getting lost, that delay block and kind of leaking out. I'm excited to see what the Bison do. We know they're going to run the ball. I think there's stuff to work on in the passing game. I think you do need to work on it today. I don't think you want to go down there, rush the ball, 50 times for 440 yards. I think you need to work on some stuff in the passing game because you're going to need it next weekend in the Dakota Marker Showdown. 100%. Yeah, it's one of those games that's nice. You maybe build a lead, afford yourself to be able to work a couple things out and get yourself set up in a good spot where you feel confident about the entire playbook going into Johnny T's Stigmeyer week here in the Fargo Dome next Saturday. Yeah, big week around the Valley. I think Youngstown uh, just barely squeaks by UND at home. I think I think South Dakota knocks off SDSU. The Yotes have had their number of recent years, and I'm Team Joe. and My, my two brother-in-laws, Jeff and Joe, at the game, Going for Joel on this one uh, for for the Yotes to win, and I'll tell you a big thank you to to Brother Swanier for being on to Smith Motors, Peterman Seeds, and Twin Peaks, and of course Josh Linus for running the board, keeping us on the track. Stick around for around the rink with Travis Dunn. Here's how I see it, friends: the Bison dominate. 
It's going to be like 28-0 to zero midway through the second quarter. Hitting on all cylinders. Cam Miller finally connects. Take that, on that. Take that on that big home run bomb. It's North Dakota State 48, Indiana State 10. This is Heard It here with Swanee. We got a big one against the Jacks next week. You have a great Saturday. And remember, the strength of the herd is the bison. And the strength of the bison is the herd. Uh...